Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one. I ain't even telling my testimony because I'll fall out and then somebody else I have to take over. Where are you tonight? <laughs> Where are you tonight in your life? We have so many people online that are spying out the land. They're like, we've heard about that church. I met a guy, I met a guy today. His name is Gary. What's up? Probably online. Name is Gary. It was all Jerome's fault. I was at the gym. Quick arm workout. Go finish my message. I was in the steam room. A lot of, a lot of crazy Holy Ghost things happened in the steam room. <laughs> there I am by myself. I got the steam room up to peak temperature. And one of my least favorite things is when somebody comes and opens the door and leaves it open. So the door opens and you can't see. But I see this. I see this silhouette and I said uh, can you please close the door and you're like my friend Jerome huh <laughs> I said can you please <laughs> he was teasing me so this, I'm getting you back right now <laughs> love you Jerome well the course of conversation basically wound up meeting this guy his name is Gary and ended up he made some comment, and I ended up making a comment about my blessed marriage, and I forget how it all happened. And, and Jerome said, oh, he's the pastor of that big church up on the hill that I want. He's there. He's there. And he's all like, oh, you are? I'm like, yep. <laughs> Jerome introduces me to people. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. You're awesome. Bring the more the better. So, so I said, yeah. He said, oh, my, we, uh, we saw you. We looked you up on Google. We weren't quite sure if you, you know. You know, the Lord touched that guy. I think he's probably online. He'll be here Sunday. If he, are you here now? So, all right. I, you know what I told him? It's one of my witnessing techniques. I said, I want, you, I want to invite you to church. He's like, <laughs> I said, yeah, I'll give you a hundred bucks if you come to church and don't feel God in that place. And he's like, what? <laughs> How's that for a witnessing technique? Okay. I said, but I won't have to pay you because he is there. So it doesn't matter because you'd have to be lying. You'd be lying to try to collect your hundred. Anyway, Gary, God bless you. You come to church. I'm telling you, God is doing amazing things in our midst. He said, we hasn't done too much for me. Stick around. I'm going to preach the word tonight to you. Um, and uh, Minister Barry, would you be sure to help me to remind me to continue to worship and receiving the offering at the end, uh, the, our tithes and offerings. Come, we'll get right into it. I want you to take your Bibles. Uh, thank you, Minister Wonderful. Take your Bibles, and uh, you, may, you may remain seated. Let, let me share this first part. Turn to Zechariah. We're going to look at Isaiah. I was at the prophetic conference just over this last uh, uh, previous week. And um, we have a number of prophetic conferences. I'll be doing one in Chile in uh, November. And I uh, just came back from uh, two conferences. They really operate or happen simultaneously, one in Oahu and one on Maui. That's where we've been uh, planted and birthed from. They're in the Hawaiian Islands and uh, went to that prophetic conference. It was amazing. Been catching up and listening to some of the messages that were, I was in Oahu and I'm listening to some of the messages that are in Maui. Absolutely amazing. Some of the best preaching, some of the best preaching and teaching, revelatory, uh, outstanding. And you can go and get that. You can go to uh, kingscathedral.com. I'd encourage you to do it and uh, find the uh, video on demand. It'll bring you to uh, KCTV church, church.something. Sean Dye on there. Anyway, figure it out. Amen. Figured out. You can Google it. You can. You just find it if you're diligent. You can find it off of the kingscathedral.com. You can find the link to get to their web stream, and you can look at the, the services that are recorded. And it's just amazing preaching. One of the house prophets, uh, one of the main prophets to us as a uh, as a movement, 
now 267 churches worldwide. Come on, Mama. When we came, there was three. Hallelujah. It was a few years ago. And uh, he's been coming to that conference for, I don't know, since 1996 or 97. So he came to preach at, in Oahu where I was as Pastor Joshua Morocco, Pastor Dr. Morocco's son, leads that work. And so he came, and in the 60 seconds before he got up to preach, he called me and uh, Pastor Karen over, and he, he said, here, sit here, sit here. And I sat down, and he put Pastor Karen on the other side. He says, I'm, I'm going to preach any, any, any moment, but I just want to give this to you real quick. And he opens up to Zechariah 4, and he reads the text of Scripture that God gave me that called me to Alaska. And it's not just a text of Scripture that God called me to Alaska. It's, it's, it's one of the main vision Scriptures for the work here in Alaska and for the building of the, the house of the Lord up on the hill that will be done and completed with shouts of grace, grace. grace. And so... Uh, he reads to me, this is the word of the Lord. He reads it right out of Zechariah 4. He said, this is the word of the Lord is Rubel, not by power, not by might, says the Lord of hosts, uh, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So who you, O mountain, before is Rubel. By this time, the power of God has hit me and Pastor Karen, and he stopped reading. And I said, that's, the, that's my scripture. That's my scripture over, over the church and over the, our calling here and the building. And he then lists all the difficulties and challenges that we've had in our building project. And I'm talking all the way down to uh, John Paoletti having a heart attack, all the way to Wally's daughter dying. He lists all of them basically in detail and goes through them all. And at that point, we're pretty well overwhelmed. Now, I already know, you know, the prophetic word is spoken to encourage, to strengthen, and to bring comfort. When you get an accurate prophetic word like that, it's, it's because God wants to build your faith and just encourage you to let you know he's got it. And he prophesied, and I'm going to go ahead and do it. I should probably do this on Sunday morning, but I'm going to do it now. He said, if, if I was to take the time, I would have you step up on the stairs like this, one foot on top and one foot on the stair just before. And he said, as a church, as a people, you are one foot in the promised land and you're one foot in the wilderness. And he said, one of the reasons it feels just so unsteady is because you're not fully in yet. Your weight is shifting. And he said, and the Lord said that he's not going to build the house. He's going to pay for the whole thing. And all the, all the, and he prophesies this word. And so I'm, I'm telling you, we're moving into all that God has for us. And I, I was so encouraged, and then I, I, I shared this word at the King School of Ministry. Where's my KSM students? Would you stand up all across this place if you're here? KSM students up on your feet. Are we got to work on that quick, got to work on that quick obedience. Amen. Come on, put your hands together for these guys. Wonderful. You may sit down. And I see, I see Kim Harvey out there. You were in our first, the very first. In fact, Wow. Amazing. That's a long time ago. We didn't have everybody make it through that, that class. Uh, we had quite a few drop by the wayside, but we had, we had a couple finished, didn't we? And uh, yeah, amazing. And uh, it's good to have you here in the church tonight. I shared this text with the King's School of Ministry, and as I was reading it, I, I mean, I, I don't usually... Um, have an outward manifestation that is going to be very demonstrative, especially when I'm ministering. I feel his presence and power now, and I feel an anointing on me, but I'm generally not going to shake and fall out. If that does happen, you might want to get on the floor yourself. It's just, it's just how the Lord wired me up to stand and to minister and flow. And I got hit so hard when I read this today at the school by the power of the Holy Spirit that I, had, I needed my own personal usher, and we didn't have any. So I, I had to sit down like I went and I sat down. And I'm telling you, God releases his word for such a time as this to strengthen and encourage you. And so on 9-11 now, I want to share a word out of Isaiah chapter 30, and then we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 61. And uh, I don't know if you've all been to Israel. I know some of you have been a few times, or maybe more than a few. 
I had the privilege of going a number of years back uh, with my wife, and we went down to see the Dead Sea Scrolls. We were seriously disappointed because they were traveling somewhere. And uh, I didn't get to see the actual Dead Sea Scrolls. So I'll have to go back to Israel, I guess, and, and we'll, we'll do that in 2021. We'll do an Israel trip in 2021, I believe, Lord willing. Uh, but we got to see and read things that just amazing. The Essenes, I think it's the, is that how you pronounce it? Essenes. And they were a nomadic people, and they were devout. And they would write out the, the, the scrolls of, the, of the, the Torah. And during the fall of Rome, uh, during, when Rome came and, and sacked Jerusalem, this is like 100 B.C., these scrolls were hidden up in some cave. And I, I forget exactly how the whole story goes, but basically there was a crash found. I think it was a shepherd that threw a rock or pottery was broken and they went up and discovered all this pottery with all these scrolls. Those are the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now the thing is, is that they, they got those down and they looked at them and through technological dating, carbon dating, and other means, they're actually predate Christ. So they're before Jesus. And they have the entire book of Isaiah. So for a biblical scholar, when that was found, it just blew everybody's mind because they, they weren't even sure that Isaiah was written by one person. They've come to discover actually Isaiah is written 700 years prior to Christ. And yet Isaiah is one of the most profound books of the Bible. And, uh, in fact, there's really two partitions, like an Old Testament and a New Testament, 66 different, 60 different books, 66 different books in the Bible, 60 different, 66 different chapters in Isaiah. And it, it really is profound. It's worthy to be studied, you, you, you know, it's worthy to be studied your whole life. So, um, it really is. So in Isaiah, we read scriptures like Isaiah 53, which is so profound, the suffering servant, talking about the Messiah. He was wounded for our transgressions, wounded for our iniquity. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him. At the fall of the Twin Towers on 9-11, soon thereafter, I got this word. When I woke up this morning, I had one of those sort of fitful sleeps of intercession last night. And it's either the Lord waking me up or I need to back off of my afternoon caffeine. So we backed off of caffeine today. If we wake up again, either way, if you're awake, just might as well make it the will of the Lord and just have an intercession time. If you feel like the devil's stealing sleep from me, well, they'll start praying and rub it in his face and pray for all of your neighbors and pray for your family to be saved and pray for the outpouring of the Spirit. Might as well take advantage of it. If you can't, just get up and start bringing the intercessor chop. Come on, just start. Try this. It's called the intercessory chop. All right, good. That'll help you. Amen. Some of you are like, I'm not going to do that. Okay. You also need healing along with the other people that are not getting involved. Isaiah chapter 30, listen to this. Now I'm taking a little bit of liberty with the text. There will be on every high mountain, verse 25 of Isaiah 30, and on every hill, rivers and streams of waters in the day of great slaughter when the towers fall. I felt like the Lord spoke to me and spoke to us as a church back then that God was gonna pour out his spirit on America and that it was going to be an unprecedented outpouring of the streams and rivers from heaven. That God would flood every church. That God would flood every county and every borough. That he'd flood every state and every town. That he'd, he'd just pour into the White House and every house all across this great nation of ours. Because we need a reformation more than a revival. We don't need a three-day or week-long revival meeting. We need a reformation that overturns and overthrows culture and straightens out this backslidden country of ours. And we have this window of, uh, of time, I believe. We have a window of opportunity to see that done. And uh, I don't know when the Lord's returning, but he certainly is. It's, 
It's called the eminent return of Christ. And I don't know if you're ready. If you're not, you want to be sure to be and not leave this place in a condition of unforgiveness, not having received Jesus through repentance and belief on him. You, you might want to make sure that you're ready every day. You want to be ready. You know, he could come at any moment. I know I've heard all kinds of people say, well, no, the temple's not built yet. And listen, we don't understand all the minutia of the prophecy that needs to come to pass. What we need to do is make sure that we're ready to go at any moment and plan like he's not coming in our lifetime. I said plan like he's not coming in your lifetime. Amen. Build houses, celebrate your children, give your daughters in marriage, being equally yoked. Come on, all the fathers said, all the mothers said, amen. Give your sons and daughters in marriage and, and take the land and prosper and continue to do that, just like he told them in Babylon. In a, in a Babylonian culture that's trying to pervade, you continue to expand, you continue to walk in the blessing of God, you continue to increase and multiply. Come on, someone say multiply. multiply. And be ready for his eminent soon return, the catching away, the twinkling of an eye, the, sound, the trumpet sound. And the truth is that some of you wouldn't pass the ceiling if Jesus came back right now. Look at your neighbor and say, he's not talking to me. Is he talking to you? So, the answer to America's woes, and I have preached messages on the healing of the United States of America, I did a series on it. But I want to, uh, on this 9-11, where we want to remember the fallen, want to remember the terrorist attacks on our country, but, but more than that, want to remember the promise of the Lord to our nation, that a na the United States of America is designed to be a city on a hill, that we are a very unique country, very unique with the bedrock and the foundation of this country is God's word. And you can't get away from that. You have to work very hard to try to wipe that out, that truth. And they are working hard to rewrite history. Yeah, they are. Isaiah chapter 61. Are you all there? The answer to America's problems. You ready? You know what it is? It's an anointed church. It's not just an anointed person. It's the, ch it's the church of the living God filled with anointed people running all over the land. Can you say amen? Stand up on your feet all across this place. Isaiah chapter 61, find verse 1. And let's read this. I'm reading from the New King James. We'll read eight verses. The Spirit of the Lord is God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who were bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. What? Beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins, and they shall rise up to raise up the former desolations. They shall be they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord, and they shall call you servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame. You shall have double honor. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double everlasting joy shall be in their hearts. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth. I will make with them an everlasting covenant. Father, thank you for what you're going to do, what you've done already. Move in great power. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So the answer on this 9-11 that I preached to you, the answer to overthrowing all of the woes, it's not going to come from the Republicans. It's not going to come from the Democrats, although you might hear it from either side of the aisle. It's not going to come from government. It's going to come from a people who boldly embrace the truth of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ 
in transformation. You heard, I didn't plan on doing some testimonies tonight. But it certainly makes sense because this is what God does. God will take the gangster, the gangbanger and the drive-by shooter. He'll take them and when they give their hearts to Jesus, they will surrender their violence and embrace him and be transformed. I'm looking at John Duke, who's an evangelist and soon to travel and winning souls everywhere. I had a lady call me. I didn't even tell you this. I had a lady contact me and says, I know I'm supposed to come to your church. I said, oh, praise the Lord. She says, I was in, I was in Fred Myers or Cars or something. And there was this young man with his son. And they were praying for people. And they asked to pray for me. And God touched me. And she got so impacted. And she realized that she has to truly follow after Jesus. And she contacted me this week. And she she might be here. I don't want to embarrass you. You might be here right now. I haven't met you. I look forward to meeting you. Because that's what God does. He takes somebody like a John Duke. He takes somebody like a, a Minister Gill. He takes someone. And they might be in the darkest, dankest, personal hell. Prostituting. Drug addicted. It does not matter. God takes the, uh, the up and outer and the down and outer and he transforms us. And it's, that's why the gospel is called good news. I was in a, a discipleship program many years ago called Teen Challenge. And they brought in this young kid, Jorge, from L.A. Jorge from L.A., he was like, you know, five foot, lean, Spanish young man, probably, I don't know, 17 years old. And he came in with a chip on his shoulder. I mean, a big chip on his shoulder. But soon, he gave his heart to Jesus. Took about 30 days. He was a part of a gang. And he was mandated to Teen Challenge, and so he came to Teen Challenge in Hawaii. And he was hard, almost in fistfights every day for the first 30 30 days. Then he got saved. Then he gave his life to Jesus. He gave his life to Jesus. There was such a transformation. Listen, when you give your life to Christ, there will be a change in you. And though it's the beginning, it's the most important decision of your life. And as you grow in God, you become more and more like Jesus. He conforms you into every touch, every impact, every faith-building testimony of your finances and your, your physical healing and your family. Every one of those is to help you, to form you, to mold you, to make you to be more like Yeshua. So what, what happened to him was I will remember he just had an instant change. But he still had his soul that would try to click back in. And I remember he had these pair of kicks. Sneakers, for those of you who don't understand what that is. And if you, st- if you sat on his bed, he would like manifest a devil. Like, do not sit, don't touch his stuff, don't sit on his bed, and may God help you if you ever touched his kicks, his shoes, his sneakers, his Jordans. And he told us, hey, people get killed for touching, sh- don't touch my shoes. And we knew he wasn't kidding. It wasn't like, oh, oh that's cute. So he gets saved, and I remember this new guy comes in and had no revelation of a gangster's kicks. So he steps on the kid's shoes on purpose. And I remember Jorge. Don't step on my shoes, man. The guy's like, oh, yeah? What are you going to do if I step on him again? He says, I'm going to have to forgive you, man. I'm going to have to forgive you, man. What happened? What happened to I'm going to shoot and kill you, which he told all of us. Now some guy steps in, and he's like, I'm going to have to forgive you, man. He got set free. This text is the text that Jesus preached. This is the message that he declared. It's the good news. It's fulfilled in the Messiah. Now, Jesus is the fulfillment of this text, Isaiah 61. Now, how many of you know that the church is his body? Let me, let me hear you say that the church is his body. Okay, so if the church is his body, now what did Jesus do? 
He set the captives free. He, he had words of knowledge about coins and fish's mouth. He, he raised the dead. He healed the sick. He fed the 5,000. He fed the 4,000. He transformed lives everywhere he went. And he was crucified and he rose again from the grave after third days. He took captivity captive, as, I, as the, the Apostle Paul said. So if you think about what Jesus did, which is basically all of these things, he did all of this, which, which we'll look at here. You know, what a, you know how we're going to see America transformed? You're going to see a church that does this. You're going to see a church that sets the captives free, a church that brings good news, a church that opens prison doors. You're going to see a church that brings healing to the brokenhearted. You're going to see a church that brings recovery of sight to the blood. You're going to see God manifesting his power through the church. And so when I say the answer to the woes of America is, is not just anointed people, it's an anointed church of people that rise in their God given blood bought right with the anointing and power of Jesus the empowerment of the Holy Spirit the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead so that when you lay hands on the sick they shall that's absolutely right and when you show up the temperature change and people begin to get happy not a dead wandered out of the way of understanding congregation a church that's full of life. That is the answer to the woes of Wasilla, Palmer, and everywhere else. What are we going to do with the opioid crisis? Have a great outpouring. Bring good news to the bound. I'm telling you, if you talk to people that are addicted, talk to people that are bound in opioids. They're sick of it. They're tired, but they don't know how to get free. Just tell them to come here. Invite them. And there's people tonight with bank loads of money, broken marriages, miserable, lying in their bed, thinking about taking their lives. I'm telling you, there are down and outers and opioid addicts and drug addicts and sex addicts. And there's those that are very wealthy and they're just as jacked up, just as messed up. I'm telling you what every single human being needs is Jesus Christ, his resurrection power working on the inside. God wants to set the captives free. He wants to bring an anointed church to decimate the work of darkness he can do it for you he can do it for me he did do it for me he's done it for all of these what's the anointing well we've talked about that I can't help but think about David the young handsome ruddy shepherd boy the son of Jesse most likely an illegitimate son but we don't know for sure some of the Psalms talk about that, that he was probably the son of another woman. And so when it came time and Samuel, the, the prophet, came to Bethlehem, what a, what a powerful prophet. The elders say to him, uh, is it good? Because they knew that with Samuel, weather patterns change. So you want to make sure everything okay? We good? And he goes to Jesse's house by the word of the Lord to anoint the next king. It's amazing to me that the prophet Samuel, so disappointed in Saul, would look for another one like Saul. So he looks, he looks with the eyes of the flesh, and he sees, I think it's Eliab, head, head and shoulders above everybody else, big strapping guy, just like Saul. The Lord says, I've not called him. And he brings all the sons out, and he says, are these all of them? He says, no. Jesse says, no, there's one, there's the youngest one. To understand the word youngest is, yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't want him. He's, he's the illegitimate one. He's the scrub. He's the runt. He's the youngest one. Do I have any other? <laughs> any Davids in the house? And... Uh, he says, no, no, bring him. And when he comes, the Lord says, I've called him. I've anointed him. And what, Sam, what Samuel does is he pours a horde of oil over him. That's a picture of the anointing, the oil flowing over him. So when I say a church that's anointed, I'm talking about a church. In fact, you really shouldn't have to say this because actually church ecclesia means that you have the anointing already. But unfortunately, because of a backslidden, half-hearted gospel, 
not the full gospel being preached. Because of that, you have to define it like I'm defining right now. I had somebody say to me on Sunday with tears, says, we've come to this church, you've been coming for a couple months, the guy's crying. Says, I've been saved for a long time and I have been taught a half gospel. He said, I'm so impacted by the spirit and the truth of the teaching and the word of God that's coming forth from here and our lives are changed. I said, my only regret is I didn't find you sooner. And I thought, my God. So I'm not talking about a church that just pretends to try to, you know, secret Christianity. It's like oxymoron. It's a jumbo, jumbo shrimp is another, like, you know, how do you have a jumbo shrimp? A secret Christianity is an oxymoron. I mean, Christian means Christ-like. Do you think Jesus was hiding from everybody? No, no, he just boldly declared it. And then, and then when they come to, come to try to catch him, he'd slip through the crowd because it wasn't quite time yet. What does that mean? Where'd he go? Yeah, he had, he had the anointing on. And you look at the life of David when that horn of oil is poured over him, his whole life changes. It's soon thereafter that he's confronting Goliath. Getting persecuted by his brothers. Shock, shock. With a head that big, I can't miss. And he becomes a national hero, sinks the stone to the head of Goliath, the anointing. So I'm talking about, and I have to define it, what's going to change America is a church that's on fire with the power of the Holy Spirit. A church that's not afraid of charging Goliath with a rock and sinking it into its head and taking the, taking the sword and taking off the head of Goliath. An anointed church. Can you say amen? amen? We have a message. What's the message? The good news. Euangelium is the Greek. It's good news. What's good news to a poor person? You don't have to be po. No mo. What would be good news to somebody who's sick? You don't have to be sick anymore. What's good news to somebody who's in prison? You're free. Just came to tell you today, the prison doors are open. You can come out now. You know, in World War II, they had prisoners of war in holding camps and cells. And when America and the Allied forces won World War II, even though they were in prison, they instantly, when they got news of that, they were all free. They were instant victors. Every single person in a prison was an instant victor. You know what the good news is to you tonight? You're all victors through Christ. Oh, you missed a great place to really say amen. So we have this message that you can be free. It's good news. You can be healed because Jesus has sent his son. God intervened in time and space. He saw your need. He saw my need. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. We're called to bring healing to the brokenhearted. I think one of the number one things I see is, I see a lot of sickness, we'll talk about that, but brokenheartedness is probably the biggest thing I see. I don't know if you ever had a broken heart. The truth is most people have broken hearts, but they're just masked it with food and sugar and drugs and busyness and whatever else they use to sedate themselves so they're not in touch with their brokenness. Most people are brokenhearted. And Jesus comes to heal the brokenhearted. The Bible says he takes out the heart of stone and he puts in a, a heart of flesh to, to comfort those who mourn. Listen, depression and mourning, they come. They should not stay. It's a process. Don't let anybody try to push you out of your mourning. If you're mourning, it's okay to mourn. Uh, not for like five years. That, that would not be okay. Mourning can become demonic. I said mourning can become an assignment of the enemy. Why do we mourn? Because we have life everlasting. Because Jesus is on our side. Because he's going to work all things together for good. That though the enemy, what the enemy meant, come on, what he grinded the axe over our head, but no weapon formed against us shall prosper. The weapons will be formed, but they just won't prosper. It won't work. So even though you've gone through something that's maybe gotten you down or even mourning or someone's passed and passed away, I have, in my mind, I've... I've ratcheted down my thinking to just line up 
with Jewish thought that mourning's one year. And after that, you have to put it off. So they would give themselves, as I've studied and understand, one year of mourning. So you can allow yourself to, but even then you have to keep a, keep a, um, a hold, a, an eternal mindset on it. And after a year, and I haven't had a lot of practice, uh, but, you know, we did have a son that died, and, my, you know, it was difficult for me and extremely difficult for my wife. Extremely difficult. You lose a child, it's hard for the father. It's very hard for the woman, the mom. Very. So my wife grieved for 11 months. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm, now I'm going to put it off. That's not what happened. It, honestly, and Pastor Karen is, is on other details tonight, but she was mourning for 11 months. And for 11 months, could not feel God's presence. Now, maybe you've never felt God's presence. You just keep coming. That'll change. For us, in, our, in my family, in, in, our, in our lives, to not feel God's presence would be like, I don't know what that would be like. I mean, that is like a serious desert. Yeah, just despair. And like, God, are you here? And just can't hear his voice. So broken, so so wounded and disappointed that she couldn't feel his presence. She knew that God was good. And all she kept doing was kept doing the right thing. She kept showing up, keep, kept declaring. I was praying for her and many people were praying for her. And after 11 months, well, what happened was she went to the these these intercessory prayer ladies, you know the kind, you know, the prophetic intercessors, you know. You got a few of them here. Praise God for you. Amen. You just live to pray. Hallelujah for you. So thankful for my mom. That's been her life ministry. I wouldn't even be here. Thanks, Mom. You're amazing. I appreciate you. I do. I owe you a debt of love and and I'll I'll finish the race. So help me God. Don't stop praying. You stick around a long time and keep praying for me. Amen. It's my, it's my chief intercessor in there. Love you, Mom. My wife, of course. So these ladies came over my house and they knocked. We heard you play the piano, they said. I don't know where they heard that. Could have been from me. Anyway, <laughs> Pastor Karen, I'm not sure you know that. I told them, all right. <laughs> Cat's out the bag. Anyway, they knocked, and she's like, uh, no. I'm like, oh, yeah. And so she goes and plays the piano for, um, did you all hear that on the worship team? Pastor Karen plays the piano. Did you hear that, Brother Toby? All right, I'm just saying. Okay. Maybe you can send her a little invite. <laughs> she played for three or four hours. She came back. It's early, you know, early in the morning, one, two in the morning, whatever. It was a 24-hour type prayer thing, so she played for three or four hours. You know, like her five key, her five chords or whatever she had. She came back, and she woke up in the morning. It, all of it was gone, and she, I remember her sitting straight up and said, Oh, my God, thank you. Oh, God, thank you. She lifted her hand, and the presence of God was back on her life. She could feel and touch his presence. Come on, mourning shouldn't continue on and on and on. He, come on. The good news to those who mourn is you don't have to mourn your entire life, but mourning is a very real thing. Beauty for ashes. These testimonies that you've heard. Is, is there anybody else here? God gave you beauty for your ash pile. Come on, your life was in ashes, burned to the ground. You had nowhere to go. He picked up all my pieces, put me back together. You are the defense. That's, what, that's what's going to change America. America's brokenhearted. Broken, 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 broken. To comfort those who mourn. To see complete turnarounds in their life. To, to heal the sick. In Matthew 11, John the Baptist's disciples come to Jesus and they said, Are you the Messiah? And Jesus answered them by quoting out of Isaiah, again, Isaiah chapter 29, verse 18 and 19, and Isaiah 35, 4 and 6. You know, the blind see, the lame walk. You know what should happen in a church? The answer to America, the answer to the, the challenges, 
It's not an economic problem. We don't have an economic problem. Please hear me the right way. If you think I'm saying something that's not biblical and it sounds that way, that's not the way I meant it. We don't have a gun problem any more than we have a fork problem. How many of you know if you take all the way, take away the forks, the spoons, and the knives, you'll still have people that overeat? I'm going over to Pastor Vince to get some comfort. Come on, get some comfort from Brother Mercy. You take away the utensils, people will still gorge themselves because you can use your hands. I'm, I promise you, you didn't have hands, you'd be able to overeat too. Huh? You could have no arms, you'd still be able to overeat. And we try to take away all the guns, we're still going to have a problem. Because all the bad people will have guns after that. So what's the problem? The problem is at the core of the human heart. That's the problem. People are brokenhearted, separated from God, lost in sin. They're demonized because of the devil's bad. And he comes and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So you can try to use all kinds of externals to change your own life. It won't work. You can move. I'm, I'm bringing it home from going from the nation to you now. No, if you don't like what you have around you, you move. You just we're going to find out as soon as you get to wherever you're going that there you are. And the same pattern going to work out. Your outward experience is really a reflection of your inward reality. Now, I just said something right there. Your outward experience is an expression of your inward reality. So if you've got storms and turmoil and strife swirled up in your heart, what do you think you're going to have in your life? Strife and turmoil and storms. So it's the human heart that's got to be transformed. Can you say amen? Yeah. And nothing can do that. Listen, before I got saved, I, I went to all kinds of group therapy, psychotherapy, psychologists. I, I, they, really. No, really. Hundreds of thousands of dollars, I'm not exaggerating, of treatment. I'm not against that. Okay, but I am against it if it's if it's contrary to the truth. I'm 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 into help that's biblically grounded, Christ-centered. If you don't have that, then what are you gonna do? Take more meds to help you with your drug problem? All right, I'm gonna go encourage myself right over here. Amen, Pastor. So I'm not I'm not against counseling. But he's the greatest counselor there is. We're called to bring deliverance. Everybody say, we're called to bring deliverance. Wow. America will experience deliverance when an anointed church arises. And I'm gonna go, I've got news. It's happening. It's not just happening here. It's happening all across America. And not just all across America, all across the world. We just saw a movie, Lambs Among Wolves. Fastest growing church in the world, apparently, is in Iran. Through women. That sounds like God. He does crazy stuff like that. They get so impacted, so, so radically saved that they know every day they leave they could be discovered for their Christianity, raped and killed, and they're like, well, if that happens, at least we're going to heaven, you know? And so they go out and they share the good news of Jesus and they're witnesses of the Lord's power. That's why, that's why it's said in church history that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Because why would somebody willingly give up their lives or, or suffer shame and loss for, for the message of Jesus? Because it's real. And the most important thing there is, is receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior and walking in his, in his promises and letting him transform your life. Say, I, had, I had somebody say, well, yeah, I don't go to church anymore. I tried that. I said, well, you need to try mine. That's different. I don't know what's different about yours. Just come. And they look at me and they, they go, I think maybe he's telling the truth. There's a, there's a confidence in knowing. There's no devil in hell that can stop doing what we're doing. Can, there's not one devil in hell that can stop us. Because if God before you, who can be against you? 
Come on, God is building his church and the gates of the hell, the upper echelon of hell cannot stop what God is doing through the power of the Holy Spirit. And a people, listen, when a people get so sick and tired of being sick and tired and you, you get filled with the promises of God's word, you'll charge hell with a water pistol if he calls you to. You put a little anointing oil in that and you just like, devils be running everywhere. The answer to America's woes is the church. America will experience freedom when a church arises. I shouldn't even have to say an anointed church, but I'm saying an anointed church because there is a difference between a dead one and an anointed one. Are you saying that this is anointed? I know that's, listen, the righteous are as bold as a lion, but I'm just going to tell, I'm just going to say it. Yeah. Is that because you're anointed, Pastor? It's because there's a group of people here that are anointed. You could have have one anointed person that can change a culture, certainly, but it takes a little bit of time. But it's not just, are you anointed, Pastor? Yeah, I got God's Spirit on me. He's flowing through me. I'm walking with Jesus. I'm desperately in need of His help. You should see when I go, before I have to preach and stuff, my family, my poor family. Because I'm just like, oh, come on, God, help me out, God. Come on, God. Come on, Jesus. Ah, help me. Help me. There's a desperation. I go and I'm a guest speaker. I'm just like, my legs are scissoring. I'm praying in tongues, pacing back and forth. Lord, anything else? Oh, God, help me say that. Oh, God. And then when he comes, I mean, I, and, and his power's poured out and I'm preaching, I'm as surprised as the next guy. No, you, you, you got to really, if those of you that know me well understand full well, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, wow, that's, I go and listen to it. I'm like, amen. Hey, that's me. No, really, that, that's how that is. So an anointed church is a group of, I said it's a group of people. It's a whole congregation that rises in the blood-bought power of the Holy Ghost that everywhere you go, Jesus goes, you'll lay hands on the sick and you'll see them recover. You'll see power put on display. You'll bring ministers back to their calling, says the Lord. I'm putting you and placing you now in an avenue of rehabilitation for other pastors and ministers. And you will lay hands on them and see deception broken off. I'm going to use you as as one who brings in the broken and the hurting even in ministry. I bring fresh anointing and power on you even in an apostolic way. Says the Lord. Come on, that it's the anointed church that makes a difference. Not, not um, you know, I'm just, you know, have you ever tried Jesus? Well, I don't know, whatever you got, I don't want that. Do you have to apologize because you're gonna witness? I I don't know. I'm I've been I've been given a gift of I don't give a fig. F-I-G, I don't give a flip. I, I just don't care. You know, God's pouring out his spirit in this gym that we go to in an unusual way. I was talking to a guy, witnessing to him on the first of the year. And um, he was in the sauna. And he was telling me of his exploits the night before, which I did not want to hear. And he just kept going on and on and on and on and on. I just said, oh, shut up. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It wasn't very spiritual. I know you've probably never thought that about anybody. But uh, anyway, I, that, welcome to the thoughts in my head from time to time. And so the Lord interrupted me and says, are you going to let him testify about all of his exploits on this first day of the year without testifying about me? I said, nope, excuse me. He's still talking. I didn't even have to, like, get encouraged. I was, like, reminded. I was reminded. I was tired and... Whatever, I was instantly reminded of why I'm on the planet. I said, excuse me. He's all, and then we went. I said, excuse me. He said, huh? I said, it's my turn. You've been talking a while? I'm going to talk now. So I began to tell him about Jesus. I began to tell him about the power of God. Began to tell him about being healed. I asked him if he was a Christian. And he held a cross on and said, yeah. I said, no, no, I can tell by the way that you were talking and all your stories that you're not a Christian. No, no, I, I go to church. I said, oh, you might go to church. I think the devil goes to church too. So I'm not, you know, not calling you devil, but you're, you're living like him, so you obviously need to be saved. You obviously need deliverance, you know, so we go back and forth. And by this time, we can't breathe in there anymore. 
I can't tell you how many times this has happened. You're like ready to close the deal and get somebody safe. Like, I gotta get out. You know, so anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, oh. So anyway, we both come out at the same time and we're talking. And some guy comes between us. You know how narrow it is at that particular club. So, you know, there we are in towels, and we kind of back away so this guy can pass between us. And I actually think the guy I was talking to might have manifested a devil, because I don't know why you would do what he did. As the guy's walking past us, he just gave him a five-star on his backside. One, two, three, four, five. Hand right up his backside. Guy's like, ah! And he turns around ready to fight. I'm like, not me. I didn't do it. He did it. And the guy's like, ah. I'm like, oh, this. We got in out of the locker. We got into the locker room, continued to talk. I ended up praying for him. He didn't give his life to Jesus. I prayed for him, and I boldly prayed. And I prayed, and I took authority over the enemy, and I prayed he would serve God. So was on my way out, you know, all dressed, ready to head out to my truck. When I walked out of that locker room, there was five guys lined up who heard the entire thing, including one of the employees. And the guy says to me, Pastor Bracken, man, right on. And everybody's just kind of. <laughs> Listen, I didn't do that to get a pat on the back, or I didn't do it because I'm a pastor. I did it because I'm a Christian. And if, if the church of the living God would stand up, if you would stand up, be a person of conviction. If you have to apologize for your Christianity and your boldness, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost just a little bit more. You need a little greater revolution that causes a revolution in your heart. When you really understand what he picked up all my pieces, put me back together, you are the defender. Well, he sent you to go preach the good news. He said, well, I don't feel like it. I don't feel led. Get the lead out. There's a whole dying, hurting, broken world out there. Let, let the Spirit of God fill you full of power and fire and conviction. That's how we're going to change America. One family at a time. One person at a time. One opioid addict. One gangbanger at a time. One at a time. Boldly full of fire and zeal. Yes. Yes. My notes just got erased. <laughs> Wasn't really on them all that much anyway. Something about Jubilee. <laughs> I don't mean this uh, to antagonize anybody. Somebody said, well, you know, when is Jubilee? And then it's 50 years. You know, do all the math, figure out what Jubilee is. But the truth is, for the believer, Jubilee is every year because Jesus fulfills the Jubilee. Can you say amen? Can you play? Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Sound Guy. You're awesome. We're going to get you back, Toby. All right, praise God. Payback. <laughs> Appreciate you. Can you play something different? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm, I'm joking. Come on, lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Oh, yeah, I know where I'm at. John Duarte. We saw him just this week. And uh, I sat down with him and he began to tell me how his move is gone. He's, he's now a gnome. And uh, the Duarts are such precious family to us here. And they, they relocated and they moved up there, led by the Lord to move there. And of course, we blessed him and we miss him. And if you're online, we just love you. So he tells me he's in Nome. And a guy comes up to rob him. And I, if, I, if I remember correctly, he had a gun. Anyway, a kid comes up to rob him in Nome with a gun. and says, give me all your money. And John had to come apart laughing. He's like, what? He goes, something, he goes, oh, I don't have any money, man. And it's not money that you need. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. And he starts witnessing to him. 
You know what people need? You know what America needs is they need, they need the biblical anointed Jesus coming through you, coming through me. How are we going to see the city? How are we going to see the state transformed? How are we going to see our nation transformed? By you getting so on fire, not being afraid of being embarrassed. Now, I'm not talking about running around like a nut job. There's some folks that are so like spiritual fruitcakes. You don't amen me, I'm going to start giving illustrations and stuff. No, I mean, like, their house is in shambles. They, 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 they can't manage anything, including their own emotions. And they run around like a bunch of, like a crazy person. As long as Christ is preached, that's what Jesus says. But one of the reasons that, that many people don't come to Jesus in a spirit-filled way is because the spirit-filled churches have gotten a bad word. Uh, there's been a bad word spread about them. Actually, it's probably been true. So many spirit-filled churches are crazy. And they don't really teach the word. I'm teaching you the word. This is not my opinion. I'm all for rolling around with oil poured all over my head and having revival. But we're going to have the word too. The spirit does have preeminence here. This is not, I'm, don't let me forget, right? Okay, this is not how, the, I didn't plan this. It's not in ministry planning. This is in planning center, this little cute ministry tool that like 80% of the cutting edge churches use. 10 minutes for worship. No, we don't need prayer. And then they go to, the, you know, it's like, <laughs> you go all the way down the line and then you preach for 20 minutes and you close. I don't even know how long I've been preaching. I just know that like the pauper goes off at about nine o'clock and everybody gets hungry or needs a glass of milk or I don't know what happens. I want to be sensitive to your time. But it's the power of the Holy Spirit that you need in your life. Cultivate an intimacy with Jesus. Cultivate intimacy with Him through prayer, through worship, through reading the Word. Read the Word every day. So I don't know where to start. Start in Proverbs. Start in Psalms. Just read the New Testament. And then read it again. And read it again. Have your kids read it. They say, but they can't read. Perfect. They have recordings now where you can just tap it on, on you version and it can read to you. That's really my favorite way. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Read the Word every day. Get in worship. Turn off the bumping, grinding, or the sorrowful Hank Williams country music. That was good right there. That I, It's actually probably the Holy Spirit because I can hardly ever remember any country sing, singer name. But Hank Williams, he's a classic, right? Yeah, I love country music too, but it doesn't set me on fire for the glory of God. Get worship that touches you. Start witnessing. Start sharing your faith. The answer to America. Wow. Hey, they're back. Let's go to 10 o'clock. No, I'm just kidding. The answer to America is an anointed church. Anointed churches are anointed because there's anointed people in them. Lift your hands to heaven. You okay, Leila? Yeah? You look like you're having fun over there.
an inside joke from Sunday night. If you weren't here, you missed it. Oh, that's a perfect time to take the offering, though. So, ushers, would you come, please? Hey, hey, hey. wonderful. Go ahead, ushers, we're ready. On Saturday, thank you. On Saturday, uh, if you need an envelope, go ahead and get the ushers' attention. You okay over there? <laughs> uh, on Saturday morning, what time is that, admin people? Saturday morning at 10 a.m. for about 45 minutes. If you want to serve in the area of our generation, so what does that mean? That's children, youth, young adults, seniors. It's all of them. We have ministry teams in all of those different areas. You're like, oh, I want to help with children. Listen, that has to be a touch from God right there. If you feel that, that is the Holy Spirit. Because I never feel that. Some people are anointed to work with children. I'm glad mine are grown. Hallelujah. I love kids. Please don't get me wrong. I'm just not anointed to do all that. I, I am more anointed to deal with adult children. <laughs> that was stinking funny right there. That was, listen, you might have missed that, so I, I'm not going to revisit it just in case you get offended because you're one of the children. I'm just saying, I'm anointed to do that. Okay. I, too, was an adult child. Anybody else? There's <laughs> like 15 honest people. So you work with children, work with youth. There's youth upstairs right now. You have a desire to work with youth. And there's qualifications for all of those things. Not everybody can work with kids. You go through a very uh, staunch background check and interview process, as we should in this day and age. Youth, uh, uh, young adults, uh, also seniors. We have an amazing group of seniors. Uh, praying grandmothers. We've got Primrose at soon-to-be Pastor Gill was over there serving. And Minister Becky Day, are you here today? Minister Becky. Oh, hey. What's up? All the way, all the way in the nosebleed section. I'm just teasing. We love you. You work so hard. Girlfriend works all day and comes to church, you know, and I'm just, you work, you're one of the hardest working people I know. And, and you're doing such an amazing job at Primrose. And there's a whole team of people there. So on Saturday at 10 o'clock, you can find out about that. You can serve somewhere. So now there's a different emphasis each Saturday this month. And so you just listen up. So if you have a desire to work with, with children, youth, young adults, or seniors, come. We'll plug you in. It's only a 45-minute uh, introduction, and then we'll show you how to move from there into those teams, and it'll change your life. And you'll change, you'll change in effect, by dominoes, the whole nation. That's how we're going to do it. Can you say amen? amen? Ushers, would you come? Did you get something tonight? Yeah. Amen. Okay. Let's pray. Father, thank you. As we, as we return our 10%, as we return the tithe, as we give, as we sow, perhaps, into the building, and people give through these four different modes securely, I pray for your blessing to be upon each and every one. Bonuses, raises, promotions, inheritance. Lord, increase of every kind. Lord, you know where the fish are that have the gold coins in their mouth. So, Lord, lead us to those places as we need it. Give us our daily bread. God, provide. Thank you for the building paid off and a mortgage burning. Thank you. Thank you that it's all your responsibility and you move upon our hearts to do what we've been called to do and then you do your part. Lord, thank you. Bless. Gift and the giver. Multiply it many times over. Thank you that we are blessed and we are multiplying. Amen. Ushers, would you go ahead? And I got this joy and it won't let go. Put in his eyes and he freed my soul. I got this joy and it won't let go. And my soul knows it. I got this joy and it won't let go. Put in his eyes and he freed my soul. I got this joy.
Stand up on your feet. Joy and it won't let go. Look in his eyes and he freed my soul. I got this joy and it won't let go. And my soul knows it. We want to close this service a number of different ways. One, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, this is your night. This is your moment to give your heart to Christ. If you've never done that before, won't you do it here in just a moment? Examine your life. Examine your heart. If you've not been born again, you must be born again. You cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven without being born again. And if you're not born again, then all of these promises aren't yours, but they are yours if you'll receive him and repent of your sin. If you've never done that, in a moment, won't you do it? If you have, but you drifted away, you know you're not walking with Jesus, you know you're not, and you want to get right with God, you want to recommit. It's the second call. I encourage you to do that in just a moment. And maybe the enemy lies to you, thirdly, and you just want to be assured of your salvation. All across this place, those online, you bow your head, examine your heart, you want to give your heart to Jesus first time. Number two, you want to recommit because you drifted. Number three, you just want to be sure. If that's you, you fit in any of those categories at home, those listening by way of TV, television, radio, over the internet, over YouTube, over Facebook, on the web stream, or listening in the future by podcast. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. The Lord will see it. If that's you, on the count of three, raise your hand. If you fit in any of those categories, on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand high. I see that hand, young man. I see that hand. I see that hand all the way in the back. How about this whole middle section? I see that hand. Thank you. Overway, all the way over on my right, your left. Anybody in this section want to get right? Recommit or be sure? All right, God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you for your honesty. Come on, pray this with me. Repeat after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my heart. Thank you that Jesus rose again from the grave and in the same way, raise my life up now. Heal me. Set me free. Heal my heart. Open my eyes and use my life for the purpose for which I was created. To love you and to deliver other men and women for the glory of God. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray. You'd fill and touch and bless each and every one. Baptize them afresh in the, in the power of your Holy Spirit. The anointing. May the anointing of your spirit now come. Fill each and every heart. Give them even a prayer language. The gifts of the Spirit to operate to be the anointed church everywhere they go. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.